the Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to the Paranet Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Lunn and... Rob Davis. Awesome. Uh, so today uh, we're cracking open a brand new Dresden book uh, with Fool Moon. Um, we're also talking a little bit about Peace Talks, uh, which is so close it's like two weeks away now um and also uh just some general discussion about uh what we've been reading recently and yeah all that so uh i guess uh, we'll dive right in rob what have you been reading recently um i've just started book two of the wheel of time the great hunt um okay. yeah uh I'm I'm like I've just crossed over a hundred pages into it. Uh, so far, so good. I'm enjoying it as much as I did the later half of um, Eye of the World. Yeah, I've got some good hopes going, and I'm hoping to finish it before uh, Peace Talks comes out as well. So we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. What about you? Are you reading anything at the moment, or in between? Yeah. So. Uh... Comic book wise, um, I just finished Doomsday Clock. Nice. Uh, which, for those who don't know, is a major comic book event in the DC universe, combining the DC universe with like Batman and Superman with the Watchmen um, from the Watchmen. Uh, or is it Watchmen? One one is the film, one is the the comic book, but I can't remember which one's which. Doesn't matter. Anyway, yep. um, but the the kind of crazy thing about it was that it it was released one issue every two months, I think. I think it started out once Wait. a month, and then it became bi-monthly, and then more delays hit it, from what I remember. <laughs> and then it was essentially whenever they could be asked. Um, yeah. Uh, again, apologies by the way for car noises. Uh, warm flat versus car equals hot pat, so um, better just to keep the window open. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the um, so so it took uh, the best part of three years to really get out uh, Doomsday Clock um, from the initial like teases, I guess, to it being in a hardback form where you can read it properly really um so yeah i i uh i settled down and read that and uh, it was good it was it it was good uh i would say that it's above average um it maybe isn't groundbreaking it's not watchmen mm. uh if that's what you're you're looking for but um it does a really really interesting job one of the the kind of central plot points is that the DC universe keeps getting reset every so many years, and why that keeps happening. Yeah. Um. And uh, Doctor Manhattan essentially uh works out why this keeps happening to the DC universe, and um and also states that it's going to continue happening. Um. And there's something quite interesting, like meta, about how they how they examine that that I really enjoyed. Um, so definitely, definitely, uh, enjoyed that side of it. Some story moments I wasn't so sure on. 
Um, Batman gets used a lot as like a, I don't know, like like the wharf effect on Star Trek, where like just everyone seems to have to beat Batman before they're considered a threat. Yeah. Um. Uh. So he gets he gets fucked about a lot throughout the whole of of the book, really. Um. There's there's a really great section where Vladimir Putin is brought into the plot. Oh, interesting. Which I I was not expecting at all. Yeah, fair um, And and they do a bit a bit on like kind of global politics and stuff. And uh, one of the things is um, the Superman or the superhuman theory. Something like that, which is basically why is it that ninety eight percent of all superheroes are American, um, <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff around that, and they play with kind of geopolitical stuff with that. Um, and my theory is that that's why that this comic got delayed because obviously it's got like Putin and um, there is scenes at the White House and there is even scenes of the president talking, but they never show the president. Yeah, hmm. which I feel might have been uh, do we really want to take on Trump? Yeah, aspect. Um, which is all it's it's very interesting, and it cause I think I think Donald Trump's appeared in comic books before. I know that Barack Obama did. Um, and they even had a a black Superman who was president in one of the multiverse things. Um. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, but I think the thing is, is that it was being quite critical of politics, so you, you'd be getting into all sorts of issues with that that you probably just don't want to touch. Yeah, understandably. Am I um, thinking so yeah. that it's written by Jeff Johns and the art's done by Gary? Yes. Frank? Yes. Nice. It's a good um, theme. Incredible art. Uh, uh, incredibly written too. Yeah, I think. Gary Frank's one of those artists where, I mean, he, I'm not solely blaming him. I hope he doesn't hear this and hunt me down. But he's one of those artists where his work is just so beautiful that it's going to take time for him to do, like, however many pages are in a comic book, 30 pages-ish. Yeah. So, yeah, if, if he's doing the, like, pencil work and stuff, then it's going to take a long time. Yeah, it's very, very detailed. Um, and something that I loved about this, actually, uh, all the way through throughout, was that um, every scene is packed full of little Easter eggs. Nice. Um, they, they have really gone to town. Uh, any fans of either the Watchmen or, um, or the DC Universe in general, you'll see lots of really nice little asides, like... Um, there's a great moment where basically all, like I say, all of Superman's allies are all kind of rushing to a scene uh, where something's happened without spoiling anything. And it shows, in each panel, it shows like a different group of them and how they're traveling. So you've got like the Justice League Dark are like teleporting in. Uh, the Green Lanterns are all like flying with the powerings. And then one of the power, uh, panels has Blue Beetle, the Question, the Atom and someone else I'm not sure about in the beetle flying thing essentially the watchmen the original watchmen nice um 
uh, like flying in together. And I was just like, that's a really cool nod for those that'll get it. Um, so yeah, uh, some really cool little bits like that. Uh, so uh, I do realize this is a Justin Files podcast, although Jim Butcher has gone on the record and said that he is a fan of comic books. So it's tangentially relevant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> past that still continue with the Horus Heresy uh, now up to a book called Mechanicum which is all about the dark Mechanicum and the Mechanicum having this big war uh, which are like uh, um, cyborg tech priests from Mars that have wars where they infect each other with code and stuff as well as like fighting in the streets um, which is very very cool kind of high sci-fi stuff um. Yeah, I think that's it, really. Sweet. Uh, for me. Um. One thing that I did want to ask you in this section yeah. was obviously peace talks are coming out in about two weeks. How are you going to consume peace talks? Um. I mean, I've pre-ordered the physical copy and I've pre-ordered the audio book as well. So both on manual way ahead of me (laughs) (laughs) i've had it pre-ordered since i think the moment it was available to pre-order awesome so about two three months ish um yeah it very much depends i've been into audiobooks a lot more lately as well uh usually because i'm listening to it doing you know doing shit around the house um to and from work and all that kind of thing so it's likely I'll be listening to it more than reading, but ain't nothing wrong with that. James Masters' audio is terrific. Man consistently knocks it out the park. Definitely. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, awesome. Awesome, man. Um, cool. Uh, I guess same so point. you haven't read... Uh, well, I, I think I'll probably be doing something similar. Um, I'm less bothered um, about reading it in print, um, mostly just because I, I, I find audiobooks are way easier and I'm a little bit lazy. And um, I will I would rather just be lazy and listen to it uh, than physically reading it and mm. using my eyes, which, you know, <laughs> Using eyes is difficult. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. So. So. Um. I've read a couple of. Well, I've I've now read all five of the chapters that uh, Jim Butcher has released so far. Uh. You haven't, have you? No, I've read the I think first line or paragraph of chapter one, a couple of weeks ago. But I've not read. I didn't. I didn't finish the full chapter. I've not read any of the others, and I'm very on the fence on whether I sh- like should or not, or will or not. Um, I mean, with it only being two weeks away now, I, I feel that I can keep myself occupied enough until then to not be tempted and just slam it all out in one go. I guess I'll just sleep for two weeks until it comes out. Fair enough. Uh... <laughs> Um, I I have not had the same level of restraint. <laughs> it's it's been difficult um, to be honest. It's I mean, the only authors that I've really followed before this have been like really big names, like 
um, when it comes to releases, uh, stuff like Stephen King and, and people like that, if you don't really need to do as much uh, pre-release stuff, because their, their stuff's just going to be picked up anyway, kind of. I mean, they still often do interviews and stuff. Um, whereas I, I've never seen such a, a campaign for a book where I, I, I'm still amazed that he's released those five chapters, to be honest. Um, uh, not to say I'm not grateful. Uh, thank you, Jim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just incredible to me that you'd release five yeah, do you reckon, chapters of your book. I mean, with two weeks to go, do you reckon we're likely to get any more chapters? Five seems like an, a good cutoff to me, but yeah, at the I mean, same time... You say that, but I felt like one chapter was enough of a tease. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, and kind of, I, I found that after after each one, I've been like, yep, this will do me. Uh, and then he's just like, and more. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, maybe... I guess it's Sorry. Been, yeah, that's fine. I, I guess it's going to be catching people's attention. It's going to be building up hype for the book, and you know, he's he's not releasing the entire book over his website, so people are still going to buy it. It's probably not going to change anything there. I would expect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and I mean. Having read the first five chapters, uh, it only makes me want to get the book more, not less. Awesome. Um, which is, is a great thing to be able to say. Um, so I've given uh, on our Twitter, you can go and find us uh, at Paranet Podcast. Uh, I've given like a little summary of what I thought of each chapter as I've read it. Um, there's uh, There's been some really great stuff so far. Um I would say my highlight of the five chapters that we've had so far would yeah. be um, Dresden and uh, Ebenezer get to have a bit of a heart to heart. And it goes, uh, well, it goes more dramatic than, than nice. Um, because like in changes, um, they really dropped their relationship to one another, um, and they haven't really had a chance to talk about what that means. No, I guess since then, I know they don't even think they've met since then, have they? I think Ebenezer might have got a message to him at one point or another, but that's about it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, but I'm I'm really not sure. You, you might be right that it, it's just absolutely nothing. Um, but yeah, um, he Harry basically challenges Ebenezer on um, like where was Ebenezer when Harry was growing up, uh, and what happened to Harry's mum, uh, and um, why has Ebenezer made the choices that he's made? Yeah. And Ebenezer uh, counters a lot of that with why is Harry making a lot of the choices he's making now? Why is he comfortable with keeping a vampire in his company? Uh, 
why is he making the choices he's making for Maggie at mm. the moment? Um, uh, and and Molly and his uh, connections to like the the Winter Court and stuff. So there's there's a lot there that um, gets very quickly kind of fired at each other and not really resolved. But I think that's going to be a, a big core part of this book is dealing with family, yeah, uh, and what that means, um, which is really interesting. Uh, the other thing that I really really enjoyed. Um, is that Jim Butcher continues to give us Murphy and Dresden blue balls. <laughs> um, a key thing at the moment. Oh man, it's it's incredible. Like basically like chapter five is just a, a prolonged like why can't we ever seem to make it work? <laughs> um which is really cool. And there's some fallout from uh, skin game and some of the more like morally grey stuff that Dresden did during skin game. Yeah. Um, which it, it, that's really cool in itself. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, if you want more of my thoughts, go to Twitter. Um, and yeah, uh, I, 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 that's all I've got to say about that. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm talking a lot today. Um, apologies if that if that's coming across that way. <laughs> uh, cool. So um, moving on to our next section, uh, our book club. Uh, we will talk about Stormfront for the last time right now. Uh, so for any of you that are following along with the podcast but aren't reading the books or have decided to tune in here instead of at the start of our series, which is completely fine uh go back and read those uh read watch listen engage with those last uh 10 episodes uh because they're pretty good um uh, <laughs> but uh, if you're starting here then that is uh perfectly fine um so last time in the dresden files uh harry dresden was put on the case of a rogue wizard using lightning um to supercharge his spellcasting uh, and cause people's hearts to literally rocket out of their chest. Uh, he then got embroiled in a drug war, a drug war, not a drug war, uh, a drug war um, over three-eyed drug, which allowed people to open their third eyes. Uh, this turned out to be something that the uh, the dark rogue wizard was creating uh, using uh, spells filled with uh, kind of uh, lust and violence uh, and, all, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, Harry uh, went behind uh, his kind of, well, his, his uh, how would you describe it? I would say partner, but not quite partner, kind of uh, the one that vouches for him for the police, Murphy. Uh, he went behind the back of her uh, and uh, ended up um, actually at odds with the police. The police tried to uh, arrest Harry Murphy particularly. Uh, Harry broke out of um, his handcuffs, uh, saved Murphy from the rogue wizard in the form of a giant scorpion. Uh, he also had a date uh, with Susan Rodriguez, who's uh, his kind of love interest at the moment, uh, and uh, also a reporter for the Arcane, uh, which is a magic-focused newspaper. 
uh, that gets about as much traffic as a Magic Focus newspaper would in our world, um, <laughs> which is very little. Um, Harry uh, faced off with the evil wizard uh, and uh, essentially uh, turned a frog demon that the evil wizard set upon him back on the evil wizard, uh, defeating him and dropping him into a pit of evil scorpions. Uh, which sounds like a pretty bad way to go. Uh, we wrapped up the whole Stormfront adventure uh, with Harry in hospital, Murphy uh, two doors down. Um, Harry tried to send her some flowers. Murphy brought them back and threw them in his face, calling him a chauvinist pig. Uh, and Dresden explained to us that he is the only professional working wizard slash detective in the Chicago area. Uh, summon him at your own risk. And with that, we go into Stormfront. And Rob, do you want to tell us a little bit about Stormfront chapters one to three? No, but I'll tell you about Full Moon chapters one to three. That's what I wanted. There we go. <laughs> At least draw on it. Oh, we can do Stormfront again. <laughs> <if you want. laughs> I, I mean, if people aren't fed up of it <laughs> by this point. I'm fed up of it at this point, so. <laughs> right. Full Moon, chapters one to three. Um, in chapter one, we begin with Dresden meeting fresh-faced Kim Delaney, a magic practitioner, and uh, at Mag's pub. She buys him dinner and in exchange for information on a set of three magic circles. Dresden refuses to explain how to activate the circles, but tells her what they mean. As Kim leaves angry at Harry, Murphy walks in and tells him she needs him on a new case. This rolls us into chapter two. Murphy drives Dresden out to the airport to a crime where one of Marcone's goons, once again, has been horribly savaged. Dresden finds a paw print and notices the phase of the moon. At this point, the FBI turn up and, you know, typical FBI fashion, you know, not anymore, you're not. We run this investigation now. <laughs> kind of fashion. Um, uh, yeah, they, they come across pretty unlikable, um, specifically Agents Denton and Ben. Um, on asking them to leave, Murphy flat out refuses, which causes them to have a bit of a scuffle. Um, she's also told that she's already under investigation, as is Harry. Uh, this rolls us into Chapter 3, uh, where we have Harry and Murphy kind of Talking about the you know, what happened in Stormfront, kind of the consequences of that in terms of their friendship slash working relationship. Murphy explains to him that you know the police think that she let has uh, she let Dresden act as a goon for Marcone, and she gets Harry to promise not to keep any secrets from her on this case. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so with uh, all that, uh, how did you find the first uh, couple of chapters of Full Moon? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed them. I, one thing that stuck out, like, stuck out quite a lot, and it, it's, I'm going to bring out my catchphrase that I've read the first two books as graphic novels, um, <laughs> just to get it out of the way, you know. But on reading yeah. the like the physical book itself for these chapters, I, I noticed it's very, 
and it's similar to Stormfront in that it goes you know the same kind of beats as the setup. They were introduced to Harry, a strong female character trying to get in some info from him. Uh, then we get introduced to Murphy, reintroduced to Murphy, being like, "Yo, we got a case to work on." We're introduced to the case, and then some kind of obstacle there, and then you know Harry and Murphy having a chat about friendship and what it means. Yeah, I I I found that as well. Um, it definitely. Having, Sorry, go ahead. That's fine. Uh, having said that, I mean that's one of the things that I always hear about the first two books especially is that it's they're both very similar in that respect um but i mean with with that in mind the, the writing seems to be more refined than it was in stormfront but the, the voices feel more distinct i guess yeah i i think uh jim butcher does seem to have a bit more confidence here yeah um, I I also did find that it hit, after looking at Stormfront as kind of uh, intently as we did, um, it did hit a lot of similar beats at the start. Um, but I I wouldn't necessarily say that that was a bad thing. No, it's not just, at all. Um, it it does fall us, and it kind of does still now in the even in the later books. Uh, where Jim Butcher gives us kind of a, a refresher course on Dresden and his world. Yeah. At the start of each book. Um, yeah. And yeah. You, so you get a lot of these kind of similar scenes. I guess they're necessary, aren't they? Really. Like it sets the stage. I, I think definitely when it's such a long series. Um, it's it's it is needed. Um, yeah, but uh, I I agree. Like the the voices is, is better. I really enjoyed the scene with Kim Delaney. Same. Um, partly uh, we we were talking about this before recording. We both kind of forgot that the character existed. Yeah. Um, Weird one. So don't record. I mean, I can't remember what happens to her character anyway. But um, I don't recall her appearing in any of the other books or really being mentioned for that matter. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be... I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of the same. I, it, it's interesting because um, it's picked up a few times in, in later ones as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, later books. Um, Dresden has a, a bit of like a reputation in the Chicago magic industry. Mm. Industry circle, I don't know. <laughs> um, and you do get the feeling that he has had several kind of part apprentices in the yeah. past. Um, and yeah, I guess I, I, I just found that interesting uh, more than anything. Uh, and a fun, um, a, a fun look like background aspect, and and more building the world as well. That, um, and it and it adds credence to Dresden as well that he's kind of the, uh, he's seen as an authority figure at least in the magical circles of Chicago, yeah. um, and everyone 
seems to know a little bit about what happened with uh, the Shadow Man in Stormfront. Uh, like rumours have kind of spread and gone around and it's done that whole kind of thing that it would in any community uh, where like Dresden is, is kind of talked about in hushed tones um, and is seen as the person to go to when you've got questions uh, like Kim Delaney does. Um, uh, did you, you didn't really pull out uh, what Kim's asking about? No, it's, um, I've already forgotten. I read it this morning. Um, it has it's to like do the three with that. circles. Yeah, the three circles. I can't remember if she's investigating her own thing. Is it implied? Because I, I know the main focus, like Harry suspects a werewolf was involved with the whole like murder case thing. And I might be getting my chapters mixed up. But is, is it implied that she's after the circles to contain something? Possibly a werewolf. She so she claims not to know yeah. what the circles are for. Um that she's just looking at it from an academic interest point of view. But she won't tell where she got the information. Um and I guess it's it's never said explicitly, but partly from how the Dresden files are structured, partly from uh just the fact that it's mentioned in the story, I guess it's it's very much Im implied, even from just their conversation, that you would use this to contain something that was part magical, part mortal. Yeah. Um, and with it being all about werewolves and stuff, I I, I think it's quite like an obvious one that is dropped in that it would be used for such. Yeah, that, I mean that's kind of what I took out of it. Yeah. I mean, the title of the book's Full Moon. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I would definitely say that... Um, i definitely say that that seems, that seems good. Uh, it's a good instruction of Dresden standing in the magical community now. Um, also, it, it's at Max, which we always love a bit of Max. Um a description of the food is always on point. Um, so, yeah, uh, um, I think um, Kim Delaney is just a, it's another interesting character uh, to play off Dresden standing in the community. Um, what did you think about Murphy and Dresden's relationship now? Um, I mean, it's that's something I quite liked actually following on from Stormfront is that if you remember towards the end of Stormfront, it, he, he has like the little mention of, you know, our, our friend, we're not back to being friends yet, more like a working relationship. Um, I'll have to work. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't remember. I think there's a throwaway line in this where I think he said Stormfront happened last spring and it's now October. Um, yes. But their relationship is kind of where it was, like hanging where hanging where it was at the end of Stormfront, where he's barely heard from Murphy or seen her in the months since. Um, um, to find out is because of the whole Marcone thing. But um, no, they're, they're 
their relationship is very much where we left it, I'd say, at the end of book one. Um, and I quite like that because it, it, I feel if things were back to normal and they kind of mended that friendship off screen, as it were, <laughs> I know I'd feel a bit cheated because that's some drama that the story can have. And it was it's something that you, you just know already that their friendship is going to be tested in this book again. And it, it it will have like an impact on what goes down, how he treats the case as well, especially if he vows not to keep yeah. the secret. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I thought particularly uh, the scene with them in the car where Murphy explains that kind of explains just that act, actions have consequences and that. Yeah. This isn't going to be a, a a case of the week kind of thing where everything just goes back to normal. Yeah. Um, she is getting investigated. Her job is on the line, which is both her livelihood and kind of her purpose. Um, yeah. All because of the of her helping Dresden, um, and it it really shows that. Dresden can't just call in a favor and then it mean nothing. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that's really good for from a stakes perspective because even though going into these books, especially when it's such a long series like this, and we know that Dresden is in some way going to survive uh, all of these obstacles and will probably come out the other side with some sort of win, uh, even if it's not a full win, he'll he'll there'll be some sort of victory and resolution. Yeah. That's that's the nature of story. Um, it it shows that there will there, there will be negative consequences. There will be things that carry over from book to book, uh, and it kind of establishes this less as like a Agatha Christie style murder of the week, and more of a this is one long story. Uh, and that that's something I really like about about the whole series. And I think we've said that throughout. Really, is that we love. We love those aspects uh, of the Dresden Files where it all carries over. Um, so yeah, uh, I I I just think that it's a great um, it's a great obstacle for this book uh, to pull something from the from the last book and and examine it, uh, and it shows that they've still got a long way to go, and it and something that we've kind of talked about in the last in, several times in the last book was that we liked when Jim Butcher gave himself room to grow uh, and room for the story to grow. Um, and I think that's um, really visible here is that he's actually created more room for the story to grow uh, by widening the gap between Dresden and Murphy yeah. due to the last story. Um, which I just think is, is yeah, it's a bit of a masterstroke uh, from Jim Butcher. Um, what have we got next on the notes? Let's have a look. FBI! Um, oh, yes, magic and the FBI. Can the two coexist? Um, so one of the things that we talked about in the last uh, book was... Um, why we love the Dresden Files, one of the reasons that we love the Dresden Files is that there is a uh, particular 
style that Jim Butcher uses where he kind of allows things to evolve naturally. So um, from the central conceit of, okay, magic is real in the world and everything that you know about magic on some level is real and happens and, and it all goes ahead. Um, what does that mean? Well, it means that uh, wizards must be secretive because we're not seeing them day to day. Um, of course, there's vampires. How do vampires operate? Well, uh, yes, there are vampires that are out for blood, but there's also vampires that are out for emotions, and there's vampires that um, play upon like addictive substances um, to mesmerize their victims instead of like hypnosis or something like that. Um, and another part of that uh, is all right, so. If magic exists and it exists kind of undercover, what do the people that already exist in our world that are supposed to look out for stuff like that, that is undercover and is away from everyday people, people like the FBI, um, how do they interact with magic? Do they know that magic exists? What do they do about it when they confront it? Um, and that's if there's one thing that I really do love about the whole full moon um, section of the Dresden Files uh, and and parts of it that, that reoccur in later books, it's the idea that the FBI have some awareness of magic already. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what, what do you think about their kind of appearance in the book? I mean, I forgot the FBI were in this book, um, <laughs> which is weird because I remember, at least I think I remember the rest of the book in terms of like the climax and stuff, the third act. But um, mm. no, I, I like their, I like that there are presence in the book, especially with uh, Chicago. Chicago, can't speak today. Chicago Police Department being so heavily involved in the previous book and knowing that they're going to be more involved in the next couple as well it's nice to have the fbi there as a fbi there is a kind of a counterpoint especially if you've got harry working with chicago police department yeah definitely um i it's cool as well because the kind of i don't know i i i almost see them as Murphy's White Council. That's a good way of deal. Yeah, I never thought of that. They're they're like a, a an outside a bigger authority to Murphy, um, that don't necessarily trust her, and that yeah. she kind of has to work around, um, which is is very interesting. Um, awesome, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, don't think there's much more to say on them yet, but kind of as more comes out about them as we go through the story, we'll be checking back in with the FBI. Yeah. Um, I know I'm also realising that as we say this, we're probably getting a couple of, like, bugs joining the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they said, what about the FBI? Um, yeah. Uh, it's... Um, I think there's a really good moment uh so agents denton and ben are the two that that turn up to the crime scene 
uh, and Agent Ben kind of loses her cool um, and um, actually ends up firing her gun at Murphy, um, which I think reveals a hell of a lot this early in the in the book. Yeah, that that there there is there is something different about these FBI agents, um, and they're not acting like law-abiding police officers. Yeah. They're more prepared to kind of go straight to a lethal solution. Um, I mean, do you think that was also a commentary on law enforcement? I mean, it kind of relates to current events, I suppose. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't want to go there. Um, but for the sake of conversation, do you, I mean, not specifically the events now, but with corruption in law enforcement being a thing throughout the God knows how long in history. I mean, do you think it's a play on that in a way? Uh, yeah, I could see that definitely. Um, I think there's a there's a running theme in the Dresden Files that magic and the arcane is causing a a lot of the corruption in the world, in one way or another. Um, and I think it's kind of, it might be an expression of that is that the police uh, and the FBI um, are very much uh, on the back foot and they feel threatened and they feel scared and, and so they they are uh, quicker to use lethal force, uh, which, I mean, I mean what, one of the other things that I love about this um, is that at the start of Chapter 3, I think it is, uh, yeah. Harry comes really close to having what I would categorize as a panic attack um just from being around gunfire and yeah. the the psychological effect that gunfire has um and it really shows the destructive nature and the distrust that can be caused from the use of lethal force which i think is a theme that is very relevant to our current modern day situation yeah and that is the best that I can approach that without <laughs> problematic content. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's why I didn't want to mention it originally, but I thought, as, as it stuck out to me on reading it earlier, I kind of thought maybe there's a we can kind of tap dance around it a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's... So, kind of a, a meta talk about the Paranet podcast. The, these sort of topics are really difficult to talk about, especially if they're uh, a modern issue, because you want to say the right thing, and, and quite often with these sort of things, it's hard to say. Say something that is um, uh, decisively the right response. Um, because there is so much uh, morality and emotionality around these issues, um, so that's that's my little disclaimer, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I guess we we always will try to approach it with the best of intentions. Um, but that is to say that the FBI in this situation are one hundred percent totally whack. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> That is that is the way. Uh, cool. Yeah. Um, oh my god. 
Uh, I guess another so thing. So, was there any... Is, um, Sorry? Something that I wanted to bring up real quick, and it's probably something that we'll tackle again in another episode or two, but with, with Stormfront, you know, all Dresden fans probably know at this point it's the 20th anniversary of Stormfront this year. Uh, I think when we started reading Stormfront for this, I think it was actually its birthday that month. Uh, but with, I mean, with that in mind, we were saying, you know, how timeless it is in the sense of it doesn't mention a lot of technology and, um, again, like Dresden, with with the whole wizards being <laughs> allergic to technology, I suppose you could say, it kind of yeah. gave that timeless feel as well because he's not reliant or depending on modern day tech. Um, I mean, with with mentioning that, Full Moon came out. I believe, yep, 1st of January 2001. Um, and again, this is something that we can always pick up on later as we go along. But to me, the I have I, I know I just find it weird that these like the first half of the series is almost 20 years, like 20 plus years old because it, it doesn't show. If you told me this book came out within the last decade, in the last five years, even, I'd believe you. Definitely, definitely, um, and and I, I kind of as we just said, a lot of the themes are still relevant mm. to today. Um, I mean, I, I know that Dresden does pick out some car makes and occasionally some technology, but also because he's un- unfamiliar with technology, he doesn't call it an iPhone. It's just a mobile phone yeah. of some because he 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 wouldn't. He wouldn't be aware of the difference between Samsung or iPhone or or what have you, because uh, it's not part of his world. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was super smart on the part of uh, of Jim Butcher uh, to keep it relevant. Um, yeah, because and and on the other side of things, this could be set in in the nineties, and I wouldn't really have a problem with it. Either, yeah, if you want to be, um, <laughs> it does have a just a modern timelessness. Definitely. Cool. Yeah. Um. So, was there anything else that that really stood out to you about these first few chapters? Um. Not really. I mean, like I say, with with it following a lot of the same beats as Stormfront for the, you know, the introduction, I, I feel there wasn't much for me to take out of it apart from noticing that the writing is a bit more refined um like the, the characters feel more like the characters we know like especially harry and murphy mm. at this point whereas not saying they didn't feel that way in stormfront but i don't know if that's the writing or maybe even uh james masters narrating it like the, because again, I'm listening to the book while also reading it at the same time, and just everything about it seems more kind of in line with what we know about the series already. Like the performance James Masters gives is better. The the writing is more. I don't know how to word it. Um, refined. It's I guess. more better. Yeah, more better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean. It. Um, I feel like uh, Stormfront, because it's it was Jim Butcher's first novel, 
um, it's got that that kind of almost overproduced quality where it feels like uh, he's he's probably redrafted it about fifty times. Yeah. Whereas Full Moon feels a little more settled, and more and he's more relaxed into the into the tone of Harry and how the other characters talk. Um, not to say that it didn't get revisions and such, but um, I would be willing to bet it probably went through about half the the revision process, mm. um, just because everyone. I mean, even the publisher and the editors involved and all all of those kind of bodies will be more familiar with what Dresden's supposed to sound like, what uh, Karen is supposed to sound like, what um, what makes a Dresden Files book a Dresden Files book, because they have Stormfront to reference to. Yeah. Um, awesome. So, I had something I wanted to pick out. Uh, oh! Really, really small point, but if you're listening to the audiobook version of this, um, one big change from the last book was that there are now chapter headings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which might not sound like a big deal to our audience, but when we're trying to... Well, I, I, actually, it might be, if you're reading along with us. Uh, when you're trying to pick out just chapters one to three, um, it was it was... A small annoyance with Stormfront that we'd have to, um, you'd have to look up where what the first kind of lines of chapter four would be, so that yeah. you could stop the recording. Then it's, uh, it's whereas very now we're... my my reading habit. I don't know about you, but my reading habit is like I have to finish a chapter. I can't just stop in the middle. Whereas not being yeah. told, you know, chapter one, chapter two, without those headings being narrated as well. I think I mentioned to you when we were wrapping up Stormfront, I listened to the three chapters we were meant to plus an extra two chapters because I, I didn't realise, you know, we'd gone over into those chapters yet until I took out my mm-hmm. phone. Like, this chapter has been about 40 minutes long. And it turned out, <laughs> it, it turned out the chapters we were covering were like 15 minutes each. And then I'd gone ahead and listened to another, like, hour of the book so yeah definitely. it's nice to have that narration there to break it apart at least um uh, I, I also wonder if i mean audiobooks weren't weren't brand new in the 2000s but um maybe pe- uh, people were getting more used to recording audiobooks and what that should sound like i i don't know um it would be interesting to know why they made that decision to start including the chapter headings. Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe it was a change of um, like direction or something like that. Yeah. Or maybe, um, but definitely, with it being quite a small, with Stormfront being quite a small book, I guess from a niche kind of background, it was probably a case of just getting the audio out as soon as possible, and then taking feedback on yes. from that going forward. Definitely, um, but it is, it's definitely a, a welcome change from, from us, and I'm sure if you're reading along with us, it's a welcome change for you as well. Hell yeah. Um, cool, so I, I think that pretty much covers it. Um, 
kind of, I think we're going to be in this place with the start of a few of the next couple of Dresden books as well, where there isn't so much to say as he, as Jim Butch is kind of going over ground that we've already tread. Yeah. Well tread ground. <laughs> I'm not sure how that um, that saying goes, but I know what I mean, and I'm hoping you yeah. do too. Luckily I do, so. <laughs> um, cool, yeah. So I think that, that pretty much wraps us up for this week. Um but there'll be, uh, I think there'll be more to talk about as we as we dive deeper, uh, especially when we get into kind of werewolves and werewolf mythology, because uh, there's some really nice notes uh, and nods to the origins of werewolf mythology, um, and uh, I think Jim Butcher does a really good job in this book of uh, combining a lot of wolf tales, myths. And some of the ideas that kind of pop culture has around werewolves. Yeah. Uh, so with that, do you want to take us out, Rob? Yeah. Um, as always, download us on Spotify, review us on iTunes. Um, we've had a lot of downloads and support, and we we appreciate that so much. So thank you for listening. Um, next week we'll be checking out chapters four, five, and six of Full Moon. Um, have I missed anything? Uh, just the Coke. Just the Coke, in that case. Grab yourself a can of Coke, enjoy what's left of the lockdown and the nice weather, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Paranet Podcast with Rob Davis and... Patrick Lund. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.